and we cannot have anyone compared unto you, O Lord. The writer of Second Chronicles, the writer of First Chronicles, in chapter 29 and verse 11, speaks of your greatness, of your glory, of your majesty, of your power. And my Lord, we simply don't have any other choice but to follow suit. Not that, Lord, there is an alternative. There is nothing like that. And we better have great greatness unto your holy name, even as we come this morning, to speak of your greatness, and therefore to speak of our mandate to worship you, Lord, because in this we've got a night. We remember our friends, our brothers, our sisters, and every single person that is watching us and following us, and who shall follow and land upon this message at some point. When they are distressed, when they are fretting in their faith and walk with you right now, and those that may not have known you and they are at crossroads in life, we pray that they shall establish and know that Lord worshiping you, and not just part-time, but full-time, and surrendering everything unto you makes every reason in life to be the one that is going to fulfill their lives. Bless you, Lord, because of who you are. Worship you. Speak unto us, O King of glory, with everyone that is discouraged, with everyone that, that is falling apart. Speak unto us today that we shall be able to be revived and find our purpose in life, even at such times as this. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Glory, glory unto the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we worship. My friend, my name is David Kagwa, and uh, I would like to bless the Lord for the fact that he loves us and he cares about us, even right now. Yesterday we were in some place and we were worshiping, and please, police, wherever you are, don't come for me. Um, it wasn't a church per se, it was, <laughs> it was a home setting. Yes, it was a home setting. And friends, during the worship, I think we are doing a Uganda song. We saw a white couple come in, and they were teary in their eyes, and they simply, you know, even before we invited them, one of them put up, the husband put up the hand and said, can I just give a testimony? And I have to wait for some discernment because we didn't know them, because you can't just permit someone to come and give a testimony just like that. You don't know what he's going to say. And eventually, when I felt convicted in my spirit, the guy came and we permitted him to give a testimony. And he was tearing in his eyes. And he said, when I was passing, I had you guys worship. I don't actually know what it was about. I don't understand the language, but it touched me. And I knew I had to be here. They called off their journey and they simply came, stood there, sat, stood, worshiped with us. And after some time, then they left and proceeded with their journey. Friends, there is power in worship. Marvelous, amazing, wonderful power in worship. And when I speak of worship, I'm not only speaking of songs and psalms, and I'm going to be qualifying this uh, very, very soon. Today, we are here to speak about a topic that is entitled, The Amazing Power of Full-Time Worship. The Amazing Power of Full-Time Worship. And what I intend to do in this um, teaching is uh, uh, to beseech the Holy Spirit to explain this to us. One, what worship is, and then two, I'll be expounding um, on um, three premises of worship, or basically giving a rationale of worship. What is it that worship does in our lives when we get to do this? And basically, I'm not speaking of um, uh, worship as in just song, but I'm saying that is a part of it. What I'm going to do is to do a passage here, first of all, in um, um, Psalm 34. And Psalm 34, we know that this is the Psalm of David. 
For those of you that have NIV, you're going to discover, and I really recommend NIV, and uh, I, really, I really, really do recommend NIV in your life. I have reasons, but I'm not going to teach right now where we got the Bible from. But it's a good, it's a good, it's a good version. We know, all of us know that this was penned by David, but the occasion is one when he was fleeing from um, um, Saul, and he went to Abimelech, who was the king of uh, the Philistines. That is basically the title. We shall see that. And this is what David says in verse 1. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. Your praise shall always be on my lips. Wow, you hear that? He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Um, before I go any further, let me just tell you, the three greatest mistakes that anyone can ever make, and these are mine, these are quotes that I get from the Lord during my prayer times. Uh, the three greatest mistakes that anyone can ever make, the first is, or the greatest, sacrilegious, unpardonable, is one, rejecting the Lordship of the Lord. The second is, and the second is, wanting God to fit in our work plan, <laughs> instead of us fitting in His, yeah? And the third is, and I'm, I'm giving them to you in a decreasing intensity, in decreasing intensity. The third is being a part-time worshiper. <laughs> like you worship God today and tomorrow you're like, mm, yeah. Or you worship him in the morning and in the afternoon you're not there or you kind of get a problem and then you remember him. But when we look at the perspective of this son, you get to realize that there is no going to be a time when you're not worshipping. There shouldn't be a time when you're not worshipping. Whether things are good or bad, my friend, you simply have got to worship. But what is worship to start with? When we speak of worship, what we basically mean is um, the exaltation and adoration um, of the Lord um, by a believer led of the Spirit uh, through songs, praises, Psalms and service, and basically this permeates every part of our life. So going by that definition of worship, friend, you get to understand that this is not just about uh, singing and worshiping, even when uh, that great encounter that happened yesterday came when we were somewhere worshiping. Now for most of us, when we speak of worship, what comes to the human mind is songs and praises and probably Psalms, and that is not wrong in and as of itself. But basically we are saying it is a, um, incomprehensive. It is not the complete picture. David is saying, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. There is something here that we get to observe. David is saying, I am going to extol the Lord or exalt him or lift him above each and everything. When? In the morning? Is it just um, at noon? Is it just at night? He's saying at all times. And he says, his praises shall fill my lips. There is something to observe there. One, you get to realize that um, David is actually worshiping from the depth of his heart. It is actually the heart of the man that defines who they are. You see that? It is the heart of the man that defines who they are. And this is why the greatest of, and the wisest of men in Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of it 
for the issues of life. God looks for your heart and the devil looks for your heart. So basically, the master of your heart is the master of your life. So he is saying, I shall extol the Lord with all, um, at all times, and his praise will always be on my lips. David is essentially worshiping the Lord, first of all, in his heart, and then to his lips. It is an overflow. We see an overflow. It is outflowing or overflowing from his heart, and then it is coming into his lips, and he brings, brings it out or ejects it. Now, that kind of worship is the sort of worship that is going to connect two groups of people or two people that are basically coming from essentially different cultural backgrounds. They don't speak the same language, but somehow in the language of worship, they are connecting. But friends, we won't be able to understand the perspective of what David is saying if we don't give you the context. And friends, this is how the Bible is written. David penned down Psalm 34, following uh, a challenge and deep, deep problem and uh, troubles that he was in, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. I want us to go and look at the context of this uh, particular psalm. 1 Samuel chapter 21 and uh, verse 10 is going to be qualifying this psalm right now, my dear friend. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 10. I want to do this very fast. We don't have all day here. It says that David, that David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Yeah, actually, um, in Psalm 34, he says when he was before Abimelech. This shouldn't confuse you because basically Abimelech was more of a Philistine king's title. Yeah, that is why you see Abimelech in the days of Abraham, Abimelech in the days of Isaac, and Abimelech right now in the days of David. That shouldn't be a point of confusion. Now he says that David uh, fled from Saul and went to Achish, or in other words, Abimelech Achish, or King Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish say to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? <laughs> they, have, they have discovered his identity. Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Uh, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of uh, thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he feigned insanity in their presence, and when he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva woo, run down his beard. And that was very offensive for any Hebrew man. Very offensive indeed. Achish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen? <laughs> he seems to have had quite a number. Am I short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on, to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And friends, uh, this is the context of Psalm 34. You need to appreciate uh, this uh, entire chapter for us to understand what was happening right now in the days of David, and then we shall be able to uh, you know, apply this to our lives and then understand this very well and what the Spirit of God is uh, recording us to behold right now. Listen to this. Uh, this is the chapter where David was in a place called Nob. And you remember there was uh, a priest in that place called Ahimelech, whom you shouldn't confuse with Abimelech. And David was fleeing from um, Saul. In First Samuel chapter 20, 
David um, had gotten informed by Jonathan that the man was bent on killing him. You remember that? And therefore David was fleeing and he briefly uh, stopped over at Nob before Ahimelech. Ahimelech, being a priest of God, he knew that David was essentially destined to be the king, you see? And because of that, he gave him some bread and, and showbread at that and gave him a Goliath's sword. And David fled over and went to the, um, to the Philistines' land of Philistia. Now listen to this. When he got there, the Philistines discovered who David was. <laughs> you see that? They discovered who he was and they wanted to harm him. Now, he can't easily run back home because Saul is chasing him. I'm getting the perspective now. <laughs> now, what is happening right now? What are you going to do when you're between a rock and a hard place? What are you going to do? You can't easily run home. Why? Because they are sick in your life to take it. And you basically cannot stay where you are right now because of the success that God has given you in the past. And therefore, they are looking for you. Somehow, then David failed madness. But even when he failed madness, later on when he pains Psalm 34, we get to discover that David actually is saying it wasn't by power nor by might, it was by the intervention of the Lord. You see that? He says even when I failed madness, it wasn't madness that actually helped me at my point of need. It was the Lord. Friends, why are we bringing such a message? Why is the Spirit of the Lord giving us such a message at such a time? We are living in very hard times, very complicated times when people have lost their businesses, when people are not working as they should, when lots of things have gone mess. Now, what do you do in such circumstances? We are saying that when you keep it at worship, when you maintain your spirit of worship, there is so much power that can steer you forward and release peace in your life, release the protection of the Lord upon your life and give you sustenance. Basically, that is what it is. Even in these hard days, it is very possible for you to be whole by a embracing worship as it should be. Now, I want to do three things here, or our premises of worship in our lives. How does worship help you, especially if you're a full-time worshiper and uh, you're not a part-time worshiper? I've told you that um, uh, three greatest mistakes that anyone can ever make. One is to deny the Lordship of the Lord. And two is to want the Lord to fit in our work plans. And three is to be a part-time worshiper. You're going to be on and off. So there are three premises of worship here that um, are going to, you know, help your life. Catapult it to the level that God wants you to be. And, you know, there are three things. One, that worship releases joy and abundant peace in your life at all times. It releases joy and abundant peace in your life at all times. Two, worship is a, an all-weather vehicle. It is an all-weather vehicle that is going to sustain you, divinely sustain you across all terrains of life. That is basically what it does. And three, that worship is a means of protection and spiritual warfare. Worship is a means of protection and spiritual warfare. But first of all, I want us to go to Psalm 149. Uh, Psalm 149 that as theologians we've never actually agreed upon uh, in terms of the occasion of writing, but I support the position that says that this psalm uh, most likely was paid in the days of Joshua when they had just taken over the promised land, if you look at language. One worship is a means of joy and peace, you know, uh, that 
basically permeates your life at all times. And this is how uh, we are going to understand this very well. Psalm 149 and verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. I sing that. Uh, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. And let the people of Zion be glad in uh, their king. And uh, let them praise his name with dancing. And we uh, make music to him with tumbling and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Now you see, worship moves with emotion. And life in general moves with emotion. I don't see someone dancing when they have lost someone. I don't actually see that. <laughs> Even when in Hebrew culture there is something that they call a dutch and they could do some sort of music. But ideally the dance when your Mary is different from a type of dance that you're going to do when you're not doing well. And ideally people don't dance when they are not doing well. Not so. Yeah, people love, people dance, people play tumblings and people play, you know, the keyboard and the piano and they sing joyfully when they are doing well. So basically what the Lord is showing us here especially if my position is anything to go by, that um, uh, this was uh, penned after they had taken over the promised land, then worship is something that is basically going to maintain you in peace. But you haven't heard anything until you've read uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 5. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. I love that. <laughs> so you see, worship is not just this public thing that we do in church or whatever we may be, but it's saying it is that deep, it is that important, it is that you know irreplaceable and unnegligible to the point that even on your bed, someone is finding time to worship individually, someone is getting into you know ushered into a moment of death when they feel like they don't have a choice but to worship the Lord. You see, basically, the point I'm making here and the Sauter is making here is that when you worship the Lord, and we're not only speaking about songs, yeah, but when you worship the Lord, which is life, it is a perspective of life, in, in prayer, in submission, in obedience, in service, in, in, in faith, you basically get to have, you know, joy released in your life and peace released in your life. This is why the writer of Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You shall keep him in perfect peace, he who has his heart stayed on you. Recently I was talking to one of my very good friends, and um, they lost um, a brother to COVID. Um, actually, it, it was a cousin, and uh, their families were not doing very well on both ends. But uh, this guy was the link uh, of sanity or to, or on the other end and therefore my friend was telling me this is a loss the only link of sanity on the other end has gone it is a loss but this is what happened uh, when this guy fell sick they admitted him um, in one of our best hospitals in Uganda best as in best you understand what I mean and um, when he got there they spent a lot of money and when he died the final tune of the money the amount of the money was 84 million 84 Ugandan a million Ugandan shillings. <laughs> you know what that means? They gathered all the resources they had and the best they could do was about 40 million. That meant that 
they still owed the hospital eight of um, 44 million. You, you hear that? God bless you for your math. This math is not a requirement for heaven. You simply need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now what happened was that they required of them a land title and they deposited a land title in one of these hospitals. And friends, this is what is happening in our day. And when they did, they released the body to them and they are paying gradually now in installments as we speak. Friends, how can you convince such a man that be happy? How can you do such a thing? How can you tell them to be happy as, as we speak right now? But the thing that I've discovered going by my personal experience and my encounters with the Lord in worship, at such times, your friend can come and tell you, it is okay, it is okay, God understands. But it is not okay. But friends, what I've discovered is when you deep dig into your closet of worship, somehow this language of worship will make you understand that it is okay. No one else can make you understand that. And you get this relief within you. You, you, you see that? This is what David writes about in Psalm 23 and he says, Even when I walk in the valley or in the shadow of the valley over death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is what I call worship. And friends, there are points you're going to get to and no one can make you understand. No one can give you joy or peace. But worship, which is a deep divine language, will somehow get you to understand that. Yours may not be COVID right now as we speak, but there are lots of things that are not working out. People have lost businesses. You see that? I mean, how are you going to convince a young lady that lost a job? One um, is sick, two, and then a boyfriend comes during this COVID season and says, hey, you know what? I'm calling it quits. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to convince them that it is okay? Be merry, it is okay. But friends, when you deep, you go deep into worship, there is a way that your heart is going to commune with the Lord and there is a peace that is going to come down. When this man Habakkuk writes in Habakkuk 3.1, he says, and then Habakkuk prayed uh, to the Lord in um, Shikinioth. In Shikinioth, that means it is some kind of worship and poem, you know, um, coming at the same time and someone is simply pouring their heart before God, kind of prayer worship. You see that? You get to a point when you connect with the Lord and when Habakkuk had prayed, he got to a point and he said, Lord, you know what? I surrender to you. And he, that, he, he did that. But God wanted to take them to captivity. Friends, I don't know what you're experiencing right now and what you're facing. But let me tell you, the world in itself is limited. And the very best of counselors are limited. And the very best of circumstances are limited in their span of giving you peace. But when you dip yourself down and pour somebody into worship, is going to help you to understand this and get to commune into perfect joy and peace. That is as far as I can go for now. Secondly, we say that worship is an all-weather vehicle, you know, that sustains you divinely across all terrain. That is what worship does. It really, really, really does. There are situations that you're going to be going through in life and uh, there are Things that, you know, they, 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 they are not going to be many ways that are going to be universal for each and every situation that you're going to be facing and encountering in life. 
I want us to look at um, Romans 12, 12, and that's an easy one for you to recall. So you can see uh, how this uh, works out. Romans 12, 12 says, um, and you could take it from 11. Uh, Romans 12, 12 says, um, um, he says that, that um, be joyful in hope. You hear that? <laughs> Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Wow! Be joyful in hope, uh -huh. patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In other words, there is a dose for a faithful person in the Lord for every situation in life. Basically, that is what it is. When challenges come, eh? um, uh, when you're hopeful, when things are okay, what do you do? You're joyful. I mean, you're, 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 you're joyful. You basically joyful because you have all this hope and when things turn around and there is affliction and you have faith in the Lord which is the basis for worship you can persevere you see that you can persevere and when uh, you get to the point of um, um, things getting very hard you remain faithful in prayer this is what worship does especially when you qualify it the way that we started and you're not simply looking at what you're not simply looking at singing and uh, praises alone but this entire life that submits to the lord and adores him in obedience in every situation friends this is what happens uh, personally when i nearly lost it in life because you're speaking to a man that was going to commit suicide because of some heavy stuff that was going on in my life when i had simply lost it in life I remember locking myself up in the house. I was going to commit suicide on a Saturday. And I'm speaking of about 23 years ago. I was going to commit suicide on a Saturday. And on a Friday, I attended some fellowship. And then I heard the word there. And when I heard the word, I was fired up. And when I was fired up, I simply went and launched myself into worship. And I said, God, if you don't help me, then I don't know who will help me. And I prayed, friend, and I prayed. And in that prayer session, I do not remember reserving myself in any way. And when I kept praying, and I kept praying, and this is where I have a problem. When people reserve themselves, when people are worshiping, and not just in public, but like we are committing ourselves half-heartedly unto the Lord, even if we come to worship as we know it in terms of singing and praising, you see people worshiping like bosses and, you know, they cannot go down, they cannot, you know, and they, they, they block tears when they come, they choke with them and stuff of that nature. This is where you cannot really have your breakthrough. You just can't. Because worship is not a normal thing. It is divine. It is meant to take over your personality. It is meant to take over, I mean, your, your control in one way or the other. And even when the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, I'm not saying that then you lose it completely. That's not what I'm saying right now. But I remember beginning to get into prayer and I was determined and I was hanging by this one thread of worship because if it didn't work out, I knew that I was simply going to lose my life. And friend, I remember going deep in prayer. Tears were running and mucus was running on my face and who cared? After I was going to commit suicide, I was a dead man walking. 
And then I had something come from up there buzzing through the roof and upon my, my head and then kind of into my life flowing like a, a free life-giving stream of water and stuff going out of my life. And then some kind of person came and touched my life and said, I love you, my son. And friend, the relief that came to my life, not just relief, that is an understatement, but the deliverance. There are things that you you cannot explain to another. This is something that you need to experience. This is what worship does. It is a vehicle that takes you across when things are hard. Friends are going to help you to a point. Parents will help you to a point. Even we pastors that used to claim before you when you come to my church, you, every problem of yours is sorted, everything. I mean, we are in our houses and you're in your house right now. Can you access your pastor? You need worship. And this is why um, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5, and he says, um, and actually it is James. Let me just read James 5, 13, and he says, is there anyone that is uh, joyful? Let him worship the Lord. Let him sing praises. And is there anyone that is sick and they need help? Let him pray to the Lord. Friends, I adjure you. I beseech you, find time and worship the Lord. You are at crossroads. You've been chucked in these hard days. And the guy simply says, I don't like you. I don't even know how I ended up getting into a relationship with you. And you feel like your, your world is crumbling. It is giving way. Is it about your job and stuff of that nature? I don't know what is making you fret. Find time. Lock yourself up somewhere and get into worship. If it means cry, cry before the Lord. It is okay. It is, it is okay. And the Lord will help you. And finally, my friend, and finally for today, we say that worship is... Um, a, a means of spiritual warfare and it is actually it is actually um, a, a, a spiritual tool when you go to um, Psalm 149 that we did, if you did verse 6 you're going to say, uh, he says that I let the praises, his, the high praise in their lips and a, a double edged sword in their hands, you see when you worship, this high praise that he's speaking of it is actually a means of spiritual warfare Many of you remember that at the conquest of Jericho, there were people worshipping. You remember in the days of the attack of uh, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you remember that God told uh, these people to have worshippers go ahead of them because it touches heaven and invokes the presence of the Lord. You remember that in um, Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, the Bible says that Paul and Cyrus were um, worshipping the Lord in psalms and uh, praises, in hymns and psalms at night and they're worshiping and what happened and the, the, the prison doors opened and the chains that were upon their hands simply broke and gave what they said ah with this fire we are denying you we did not bring these people here we didn't at all for us we are not interested it is the jailer who told us to come here lord we quit we cannot hold these people that are worshiping and you see that even in the inner prison they still worship the lord and friend, this is how the Lord is going to protect our lives and preserve us in one way or the other. I do not want to suppose that every problem of yours is going to go because you're worshiping. I don't suppose that. But my point is, you're ultimately established in worship, and that is the essence of life. Whatever you may be, whatever challenge you may be facing, this is why we sing and we tell him that when the portions rise, Thunder's trophy. We shall still soar with you. We shall still exalt you. Because you remain God. 
When the oceans run and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the song. Father, you are Come, just worship him with us. Worship him with us in every flag, in every situation. We shall be still and know that you are not alone. Worship him in your situation, in your seeming failure, in your questions, and everything of that nature. Father, we worship you and give you praise. Presence, not by power. 